With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 102.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. With you for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast, you can get it at podbean.com, which is our web host, also available at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn for those apps for you. Uh, you can get Talking Tide as well. The podcast now takes its first real turn toward basketball. Football news obviously kind of dominates uh not only to January, but uh, beyond the CFP. So uh, only now, Travis, here in early February, do we uh, turn our primary attention on Alabama basketball, and we jump into the water when it's cold. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Crimson Tide uh, going on the road for a a disastrous performance against the rival Auburn Tigers, Travis. Hey, I know. Let's start basketball pods right after a road trip to Auburn. That sounds neat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Here I am again. Timing is yeah, Mike Cooley once saying. Yeah, that's Chase, right. Yeah. Uh, 84-63, the final score. Travis, Alabama, uh, dead even in the SEC at 4-4. Four and four. We'll kind of look at the, the, the bigger overall picture a little bit later. But as it pertains to this game, uh, started out fine, you know. They, they you know, up seven-one about four minutes in, uh, and Avery Johnson made uh, some what looked to me like wholesale substitution changes. Pretty much put a new five in there. At least, it, at least it looked like a new four. And uh, uh, then all of a sudden, bang! Uh, Auburn started running away with it. And there was another Alabama run in the first half that that pulled them pretty close when the score was in the twenties. Uh, but then they give up. I don't know how many points in a row to close the half, and they're out of the game before they get in the locker room. Yeah, it, it kind of was a game of runs while it was still a game. You're right, Alabama got off to a good enough start. A 7-1 lead, Kyra comes out. Kyra Lewis, the 17-year-old true freshman point guard, hits a three very early. Dante Hall with a couple of buckets. Auburn starts out missing a couple of their threes, which was huge for Alabama, you thought, initially anyway, because essentially this game was going to come down to a couple of things. I talked about them a lot last week. Uh, Getting Auburn off the three-point line uh, and making them shoot twos and make twos instead of feasting from the three-point line, which is what they love to do, as you know, and also points off turnovers. Auburn turns you over a lot. And they don't just turn you over. They quickly turn those turnovers uh, into points, into hoops. And uh, unfortunately for Alabama, as the game wore on, uh, the Crimson Tide went 0 for 2 in both of those areas. Auburn shoots 13 of 22 for right around almost 60% from three for the game. Uh, And then again, points off turnovers widely in favor of the home team, Auburn Tigers. 30 to 14 points off turnovers. Uh, and the runs were, were were pretty much too too much to overcome. And, I, and you're right, I give Alabama credit. You know, Auburn goes on that. I think it was a 21 to two run after Alabama 
uh, was up nine to four, something like that. Uh, and it's 25 to 11, and it feels like the roof of Auburn Arena is pretty much going to fall in on the Crimson Tide. Alabama comes with a 15 to four run, so that was a positive. But as you alluded to, Auburn answered that with another haymaker and closed out the first half up by 20. And pretty much at that point, you knew where this was going. Yeah, 13 three-pointers for Auburn definitely told the tale. Bryce Brown, one of the top scorers in the Southeastern Conference, knocks down a team-high five of those, five out of seven as a matter of fact. So uh, just white-hot shooting from the outside for Auburn. Uh, it definitely got contagious in the building. Uh, you, you could you, you could you could sense the atmosphere through the TV on, in that game, and you can't oh, yeah. and, and you can't always do that. No, and and you knew it was going to be that Saturday night. Um, you know, it's it's Alabama Auburn. Uh, Auburn really trying to turn its season back around in the direction that we thought they were going to head it as predicted. Uh, but then with a three game losing streak. Auburn gets what it needed. It got back home, uh, and it got a, a a bad Missouri team midweek. Found that three-point shooting stroke in the second half of that game, Chase. Auburn made 11 threes against Missouri midweek. That's not what you wanted if you were Alabama. You would have liked Auburn to just stay cold from the three-point line heading into Saturday night. I think Auburn actually caught a spark in that second half against Missouri, and it pretty much carried over to Alabama on Saturday night. All right, big picture now, Travis, just discussing Alabama basketball from the beginning of the season to this point. Uh, Four and four in league play. They've not been more than a game above or a game below 500 in the SEC since SEC play began. So uh, treading water right from the beginning. It's been basically win-loss, win-loss all the way down. I think at one point they dropped two in a row. Uh, in in league play, but uh, uh, and how often have we seen Alabama uh, kind of in a quagmire in the middle of the standings with a bunch of teams that are playing 500 ball? And once again, it, there you find them: uh, a bunch of teams four and four in the league. Travis, uh, Florida, Auburn, now of course with the win over Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Uh, it's it's a uh, it, it's. Yeah, nearly half the league is four and four. Awful deep I mean, in the middle. It, and that goes back to what you said. It's kind of every other night. You know, it's win one, lose one, win two, lose two. That's just basically the league right now. The league right now is two elite teams, Tennessee and Kentucky. Tennessee at 8-0 in the league, Kentucky at 7-1. and I know LSU is really good, but LSU with a tough home loss to a pretty average Arkansas team on Saturday night. So LSU's in that that upper, upper reaches of the league with Kentucky and Tennessee. But when we look at it right now, I think Tennessee and Kentucky are obviously the elite of the league. Uh, South Carolina is is maintained its pace there in SEC play at 6-2. and two. Uh, But when you look at Alabama specifically and what's coming up, there is a stretch, Chase, where some hay can be made. You get Georgia at home midweek, not a very good Georgia team in year one under Tom Crean. You go to Vanderbilt. That's been a house of horrors up there in Nashville, as we know. Not a very good Vanderbilt team, though, this year. Uh, you got to go to Mississippi State midweek, the week after this. Uh, but then you get Florida at home. So, you know, there's a stretch coming up here. Even Texas A&M on the road midweek a couple weeks from now. You know, there's a stretch coming up where Alabama can really help itself within the conference. And it's not losses to teams like Auburn 
are uh, you know that quality a team that that is is hurt Alabama LSU on the road. Those aren't the the losses that are hurting Alabama right now. It's the home losses to teams like Georgia State and Texas A and M that are stinging the most for Alabama right now. A couple of Alabama players I'll hit on with you individually, just uh, in the uh, in in the realm of what kind of year they're having overall. Kira Lewis, the freshman, Travis. Obviously, uh, uh, we've not had much chance to talk at all about what he's done as as a young player. Uh, your thoughts first on what he's come in and been able to do? Yeah, he's been a godsend. I mean, think about it. This guy should be playing on Friday nights against Huntsville High right now you know um as a guy who reclassified as a as a freshman for the the 2018 2019 college basketball season so yeah you think about this team without kyra lewis as a 17 year old newcomer and then then it gets a little cringeworthy i would say he's he's been excellent i think he's been outstanding his most recent performance against auburn you know alabama turned the ball over 21 times and he had a couple of those but it was more so some guys that you thought going into year two or even year three of their time at Alabama that were more guilty of turning it over than Kyra Lewis was. So Kyra has been pretty much about more than you could have hoped for on a consistent basis. It's trying to identify that guy other than him on the perimeter that you can hang your hat on on a, on a nightly basis. You know, we've seen John Petty go for 30 one night. Uh, and then we've seen John Petty turn around and go for two. Um, we've seen Riley Norris of late put up some good numbers. Uh, and then not so much against Auburn. It's just, you, you talked about it early, this this rotation. And, and Avery catches some heat for it. And sometimes maybe he does overdo it in terms of getting guys in and out. But I'll say this in his defense, too. I don't think another, I don't think a guy or two has uh, revealed himself enough as being a consistent threat especially on the offensive end to justify not rotating as much as he does it's it's painfully obvious how much better lewis handles the ball than anybody else on the team. oh god and that's probably the biggest problem they have right yeah would you say that well not enough not enough legit ball handlers for a 40 minute game against really good competition i mean you you look at a guy uh, two guys in particular days on ingram and and John Petty, those are a couple of guys that are going to be handling the ball, handling the ball a good bit at, at the top, at the wing, wherever the wherever it may be. Well, those guys, their their ball handling is pretty average. Um, and, and frankly, and I think both of them can go by somebody. But here's the difference, Travis: if you've got a guy who can really handle a rock. Uh, that guy goes by somebody, he can leave you and free himself up two steps. Uh, but Ingram, for instance, Petty, yeah, they might be able to go buy somebody on the wing, but it's going to be they're going to get them by they're going to go buy them by a half a step. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so yeah. it's like they're, they're even even when they go buy somebody, they still they're still in traffic. And there's some guys still from a strength standpoint, just you know, in terms of being strong on the ball, they give it up a little bit too easily uh, at this point in their careers, and it kind of takes us to that recruiting class chase that Colin Sexton was a part of. Um, Colin Sexton, obviously a one and done, but when you look at John Petty, had 18, had 18 Saturday night. I mean, the numbers, once it was all said and done, he was just two of seven from three, but he did have 18 points, four boards, three assists. He turned it over three times, but that class other than Colin Sexton chase in year two of those guys, I'm talking about John Petty. 
What about Herbert Jones? Offensively, there's certainly been no progress made by Herbert Jones. Uh, you almost feel bad for the guy at this point when he when he puts up a shot. There's no confidence there. You, you know, you know he knows. Yeah, it, it isn't going in. Um, you know, Alex Reese, a second year guy. Galen Smith, a second year guy. That was the group, even with Colin Sexton moving on, that you sort of thought, you know what, this team's still going to be tournament caliber because of, in large part, the the other guys in that class. And I still think they can be. But we're going to have to see more on a consistent basis, I think, from that group than what we've seen to date, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Avery Johnson, um, you know, he, he's shown that he can go get the one and done. It's not an easy thing to do. Hadn't been done in Alabama in a long time, obviously. And, 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 and Avery Johnson uh, um, rang the bell recruiting-wise with Colin Sexton in a, in a big way. And, a, and, and uh, he, may get, he, he may get a couple more of those guys. But there's also the development side of it. And nothing, nothing we've seen from this team this year indicates there's been a great deal of, of development. Dante Hall uh, has been outstanding, but he was outstanding last year. He's not taken a huge step forward. His huge step forward was the previous year. Um, so all things- And that was a game last night with Dante Hall, by the way, Chase. Uh, he needed to be dominant because Austin Wiley doesn't go for Auburn last night. Not that Auburn really runs its stuff through the post, as we know. They're perimeter-based. Um, but without a true post in there, really, for Auburn, you know, you needed more than three field goal attempts from Dante Hall last night. And and, and he made all three that he took, and, and he made both his free and they, throws. And they weren't all dunks. But in 26 minutes, he took three shots, you know. Um, it's just – it wasn't a game in which you wanted to get into sort of that perimeter game with Auburn because that's what they want to make it about both in terms of their three-point shooting and their ability to take the ball away and score in transition and uh Alabama didn't check either of those boxes in in Auburn last uh, Saturday night now uh, what does it do for Hall's game by the way if that 16 footer that eight that 18 footer that, that he knocked down if he can kind of add that to his offensive game yeah. and, and get it away from the rim a little bit I, I guy's a hell of a basketball player man I I honestly I'm a little surprised a guy like Dante Hall can't turn pro early just as a rim protector. I mean, if I was an NBA GM, I, yeah, I get it. He's limited offensively. He's skinny. You can maybe you probably get pushed around some in the NBA. I still think a guy like that could could protect the rim well enough in in, in the pros uh, to to be on, to be on a daggone roster. He's 6'9", but that wingspan, right? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 when you look at him in terms of just true measurables, he's 6'9", 230, and you don't think rim protector per se maybe in the NBA at 6'9", because you got guys that are Kevin, like Kevin Durant or what, pretty much almost 7' foot right. playing on the perimeter. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's definitely got a pro career. I don't know if he has an NBA career, but there's a lot of places you can play for a paycheck these days and a, and a pretty nice one at that. And, uh, I think that'll be, uh, I think that'll be Dante Hall next year. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, and tune in chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to, uh, take a step aside right now to thank a couple of sponsors that help keep, uh, talking tide 
on the pod waves, starting, of course, with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, the finest dentist in the Tuscaloosa area, no question. Uh, you can schedule an appointment at 752-3506 or check northriverdentist.com on the web to make an appointment. The routine cleanings are thorough and they're fast. They'll get you out of there typically in less than an hour. They're super at dealing with those insurance people, too, if you need them to as well, over at North River Dental. Uh, and uh, you just can't beat the location either. Right off McFarland Boulevard, 1100 Fairfax Park, kind of tucked right behind that Jimmy John's back there. Uh, it's Dr. Jack Small and North River Dental Associates. Yeah, we love us some uh, Jack Smalley, Dr. Jack, and uh, takes good care of your choppers out there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I'm going to tell you about Carty and Lloyd Attorneys at Law right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. The phone number, 205-759-1554. That's going to put you in touch with Mike Carty and John Lloyd, a pair of local attorneys who have a combined 60-plus years of legal experience between them. That's right, since 1992, Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law, have served Alabamians and others from around the United States. 205-759-1554, that's the number to call. Also, check out the website, www.cartylloydlaw.com. Also want to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there on... Skyland Boulevard, 3200 Skyland East. That's where you're going to find Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa, the very best selection of automobiles, both new and certified, pre-owned, waiting for you right now at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Go to the website, MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com. The entire inventory that sits on the lot today, waiting for you at MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com. Then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Talking Tide podcast, moving on at podbean.com. Travis will uh, hit on some football thoughts quickly. Uh, since we last podcasted, which would have been uh, after the CFP game, uh, Nick Saban's pretty much changed out half the coaching staff, it seems like, anyway. Uh, that that front is it's actually a little bit calm now here in the last uh, week or so, I guess, somewhat calm. I think the latest report, uh, Travis, has, has been that uh, Brian Baker is going to join the, the Alabama defensive staff coming over from Mississippi State where he was a defensive line coach. Craig Kuligowski reportedly uh, won't be returning. Uh, and uh, pointed out in the local media the other day, Travis, that although Alabama hadn't yet announced any of these hires, they're already getting paid. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're on the recruiting trail, and that's where you get paid. So uh, they, they sign those, those what are they called, uh, promissory yeah. uh, agreements. You know, it's a little slip, I think. I don't think it's the actual contract. But, yeah, they got them, they got them those expense uh, accounts set up and, uh, and those cars and everything else, and they're on the road. That's what Nick's worried about right now. We all talk about the coaching staff and the media and – you know, we track it and try to break news and all, and that's great and it's important. But I can promise you, for Nick Saban, it's all about trying to make it work first and foremost with recruiting because National Signing Day, well, the traditional National Signing Day anyway, coming up this Wednesday, Alabama trying to close out guys like uh, Henry Toa Toa, the linebacker from California, Ismail Softshire, the defensive tackle from Amit, Louisiana. Uh, trying to make sure they're in a good place to sign Byron Young, a defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi. That should help with Brian Baker coming from Mississippi State. Uh, that's what Nick's concerned about right now, okay? 
the rest of us can talk coaching changes and you know it looks like the entire sun Siri family is going to be <laughs> yeah. on the staff at this <laughs> point chase um and all those things nick's worried about getting this recruiting class and even 2020 and 2021 going more than he is anything else your thoughts quickly on uh, the subsequent report of, of former OUDC Mike Stoops reporting uh, yeah, reportedly joining the USC yeah. uh, hey, UA staff not? as an analyst. So yeah, yeah, yet another former head coach uh, in that role. Uh, Nick likes him in there. Yeah, that Kappa Saban house they got over there on Old Row. You know that's where they all put them in. You know they pledge and then they come in and hey, why not? You know, I mean this it's it's all the same with these guys, right? They're all getting buyout money from maybe more than one school, as we know. We've talked about the Butch Jones situation. Right. You know, the guy's getting 200 k a month through February of 2021. Not 2020, but through 2021. So why not come and, and go through that sort of refurbishment, that car wash, so to speak, uh, that Nick Saban has over there off Bryant Drive? And then, you know, in a year or so, you know, you're back as maybe a coordinator or you're back as a head coach somewhere and all's well that ends well. So if you're Mike Stoops, absolutely you should, you should take that route if you if you got the opportunity. It, it's a slingshot. It's a slingshot yeah. job pretty much because microwave. You, you buzz in there for one year. Like you said, you're making the same money because you're getting paid from a buyout probably from yeah. one place or another. Uh, and then, and most of those guys, I think, go into that job looking to bounce in a year as opposed to mm-hmm. joining Saban staff and sticking with it long term. Um, but yeah, it's uh, well, like uh, if you're Butch Jones, do you trust Nick Saban more with your career right now, or do you trust Mike Loxley yeah. more with your career right now? Right? Yeah. And if if money's not the issue, if money's not the issue, Chase, yep. well, how you rolling with that? There you have it. I guess we'll turn quickly for, to the Super Bowl, Travis. Got to do that before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast. It's only a couple of hours away, and so we're getting our a pick here maybe right under the bell. Uh, but uh, quickly, your thoughts on uh, Rams-Pats. I think the Rams are the better team, top to bottom, but you can't get me to take a young quarterback like Jared Goff over Tom Brady. Okay, you just can't get me to do it. You can't get me to take Sean McVay over Bill Belichick. So I'm going with the Pats. I don't necessarily feel great about it. Again, I think the Rams have the better roster, if you ask me to pick. Um, But I'm going with the the old dogs in this one. What about you? Same team, same pick for pretty much the same reason. I mean, you, you, you not only match my pick, but you match my thoughts as well. Um, how do you bet against Tom Brady, against anybody? I don't care if it's Jared Goff or uh, I don't care if it's Drew, I, I don't, Drew Brees. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, I, I just – the guy is the guy's so money in the postseason that uh, uh, you, you, I can't see it any other way until he's out of there. And Belichick yeah. and him – Belichick and Brady, they'll – They'll go out together or within a year of each other. They're hitting the sunset at the same time. Sometimes I wonder, though, if Belichick is 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 just really wanting to hang around long enough so he can cut Brady, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like Jimmy Conway. Like Jimmy Conway and Goodfellas, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, they had all the success on the Lathanza heist together. Yeah. But then he whacked everybody, you know? He tried to whack everybody. 
on that deal. I think Bill Belichick's got some Jimmy Conway in him, Chase. What do you think? Are there? Are, are there? He le- wants to whack them all. Let, let me ask you this: How how much would it alter their legacies one way? Let, okay, two scenarios here: Belichick hangs on longer than Brady and wins another Super Bowl without him, or Brady hangs around longer than Belichick wins another Super Bowl without Belichick. I- I don't think that would bother either of them. I think both of them would love to to pull that off. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I really do. Because I think I think that's why Bill wanted uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to hang around. You know, Jim, Bill wanted Jimmy Garoppolo around. Loved he didn't him. want him to go. You know. I think that's what Bill envisioned with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah. It got some big money in in San Francisco yeah. for not a lot yeah. for not a lot a long track. He got like a hundred and thirty some million dollars on about five starts. Um, but uh, you know, Jimmy Jimmy tried to whack Henry Hill. Okay, so <laughs> I can see Bill Belichick trying to whack Tom, Tom Brady. There you do. I mean, I'm speaking of spe- <laughs> speaking of Jimmy Conway. I might I might be getting uh, one of the one of those autographed Goodfellas po- movie posters yeah. uh, in, in a frame. Uh, was at an auction over the weekend that uh, uh, my wife actually bid on the thing for me, and and. Uh, uh, I was aghast when I saw her name on that. No, on no, that no, line. no, no. Drinks are on the house. <laughs> yeah, but we left the place an hour and a half early, so so we we're not we may not know if we won the won or lost for a couple of weeks. You know, when something comes in the mail or something. But uh, I'm sure they'll let you know. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm in the form of an invoice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover. We'll be back again in a week or so to renew this discussion, uh, Alabama men's basketball and all the like. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.